We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 61, year two. Today's special guest, my friend and great tournament player, Mr. Ari Engel. We're going to talk about my tournaments in my private home game. We're going to talk about the Wall Street Bets saga. We're going to talk about Daniel's crazy match with Doug. We're going to talk with Ari and we're going to talk about whatever you want. We're going to take phone calls. The mouthpiece is next. What up? What up, everybody? How's it going? Well, the Super Bowl is set. Tampa Bay, Kansas City starting next week. Call in. Tell me who you like. Uh, things are crazy in the world as normal. We'll talk about world issues. We'll take phone calls later. Uh, but first we're going to talk about my private home game, uh, with which we have added tournaments. Uh, they are unraked $100 buy-in tournaments, uh, that we run every Sunday. So if you're interested in playing in my private home game, $100 unraked tournament, email mouthpoker at yahoo.com. That's mouthpoker at yahoo.com. It's $100 unraked tournament in my private home game. So um, let's see what's been going on. Uh, the big news is this Wall Street bets sh- short squeeze that's been going on. Um I'm not in much into the market, but I didn't know what a short squeeze was. But once I found out, I found it pretty extraordinary um, that uh, the stock market, the way yesterday was a big day in American history because the stock market, the way we look at it is now supposedly, from what I hear, going to be changed forever. I mean, you have um, somebody as powerful as Elon Musk who tweets Wall Street bets, the stock flies to the moon. He then tweets out Bitcoin, it flies to the moon. And uh, for one person to be able to have that kind of influence, it just goes to show you, um, I mean, he can literally manipulate markets, which, I mean, I guess is good for the little guy, bad for the big guy, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, With them uh, shutting down that trading yesterday, you know, Dave Portnoy says people should go to jail. Uh, I guess it's an interesting subject. So anybody want when we do take take phone calls later, we'll uh, we'll have you guys address that. What you guys think? Uh, it's been an interesting week for me. Um, I decided at the beginning of the playoffs that I was going to bet like five hundred, two hundred to five hundred on all the playoff games. Um, and if I really, really like something, I might bet a thousand, but, uh, that was just the goal just to keep, just to see how I would do. Well, we're going into the Super Bowl, and I am officially 0 and 9. That's right. I am 0 and 9 on all football playoff games, and I think I owe, uh, 5,100 with juice. That's um, welcome to to my sports betting life. 
So, of course, when you hear 0-9, you want to know who I'm betting in the Super Bowl. So you can all go all in opposite of me. I don't blame you. Um, we'll talk about that soon. Uh, the uh, games last week were kind of interesting. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the coaches had a big influence on who won the game. Uh, let's go to the Green Bay game. Uh, with eight seconds left, Tampa Bay, no timeouts. They line up in man-to-man coverage when all they have to do is play a zone and sit back and the half ends 13-10. to 10. And they give them seven points. And as you know, that was the difference in the game. Because if that doesn't happen, uh, we don't have a talk about what um, Aaron Rodgers does at the end there. They just kick a field goal, win the game, and the game's over. Green Bay, as much as they got beat around the edges because Green Bay was missing their left tackle, uh, they were still, as far as I'm concerned, the better team. Uh, They were outcoached. The... The decision to kick a field goal with two minutes and eight seconds left, no matter what the analytics say, is completely perplexing to me. I mean, you got the best quarterback in the game. You have a team that's 91% in the red zone. I don't know what the issue is. I mean, if you go for it, you get stopped. You still need a three and out. I mean, to get the ball back, uh, what, what does a field goal do? I mean, it makes zero sense to me. It was complete and moronic, and uh, they were out coached, and that's why Green Bay lost. They were not; they were the better team. They were, they just. I mean, I like Matt Lafleur, but he had a really, really bad day. Um, and going over to the Bills game, I mean, I don't even know what Sean McDermott is thinking. Fourth and two at the fourth at the two yard line, field goal. Fourth and three at the fucking four-yard line field goal. Fourth and two at the six-yard line field goal. Did he? Did, what did he do? He think he had the uh, the 2000 Baltimore Raven defense or the 85 Bear defense that he could just kick field goals against the best offense in the, the league? I mean, it's absolute idiocy. Um, and, I mean, even in a meaningless situation where they – they scored uh, with like three and a half minutes to go. And then he kicks an extra point to be down 17 instead of go for two and make it down 16. They got the onside kick. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe they score there. It's an eight-point game. They still have three timeouts left. Instead, kicking the extra point, he basically waved the red flag. So, really, at the end, there really wasn't much to play for Uh Man, I like Sean McDermott. Also, another young coach who had a bad game, bad day. So that's going you know, going into the Super Bowl. You know, uh, next week on the mouthpiece, I'm going to give you my Super Bowl pick. I know where I'm leaning, but I don't want you guys to know right now. So um, also in the world of poker, we have the, the Daniel Negreanu-Doug Polk match. Last Friday, Daniel won 400K. We were actually live when he was crushing it. Um, he <laughs> Doug decides on Monday with 8,000 hands to go, he's going to be a little pussy, start limping the button the, to, so the variance isn't high so he can lock up the challenge, which I thought was really bad etiquette. Now, with 1,500 hands to go, it's, it's fine. You know, if you've got control of the match, there's no reason to do that. Even Daniel felt the same way. But with 8,000 hands to go, he just thought he was like, 
Like he thought he was the king shit. I'm going to limp the butt and cut my variance down. He, he, ha, ha. Look what I got for Daniel. Ha, ha, ha. And Daniel, and me and Daniel talked on the phone. He told me what he was going to do. I was all on board with it, you know. He's like, oh, really? He wants to act like that. He wants to get it over so he gets paid. You know, well, you know, we'll just tank every hand and take our time. Put him on fucking tilt, which he did. He was up like 40000 right away. I wish, I almost wish he would have kept doing it. But see, that's the thing is Daniel's a nice guy. You know, Daniel knows it's wrong, but they had her talk and he, you know, when he decided he wasn't going to limp every button, Daniel played fast and it wasn't, and Daniel lost 130. Daniel, it's not about winning, okay? Daniel just wants, doesn't want like him to take more edges than he already has. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he, he took the match. Doug has all the edges. And even after the match, he's still calling out Daniel. He's, he won 130000 He's up 700000 And he's still nonstop calling out Daniel. I got the like, like he did something horribly wrong. You know you know what I say? Turnabout's fair play. I actually wish Daniel didn't, didn't give in. He kept playing slow and played him 150 hands a day and let him fucking understand that, uh, you know, you can't just, it ain't Doug, Doug, Doug's world. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to lose 13,000 on a match. I don't give a shit, but, you know, I called him out for what he was. I called him tampon Doug. You know, he needs to fucking limp to stop the bleeding. You know, so, you know, I like Doug. You know, I got, me and Doug get along fine. I mean, people might think I don't, but... I just, you know, he just does things that are just really out of line, a bad etiquette. And he, and then when other people do it, he goes crazy, you know, just like when he called out Doyle Brunson trying to challenge him, an 87-year-old man who could barely leave his fucking house, you know, to eight-game mix. You know, well, fuck, Doug, you want to play eight-game mix? I'll play as high as you want live, eight-game mix for whatever you want, you know. But don't call out an old guy that can barely fucking walk that's that, uh, that that that's 87 years old and think you're doing something great you just look like a fucking idiot that's all so um yeah yeah the broke guy will play you buddy you know whatever you want okay so uh uh that's what's going on there let's see what else is going on in the world um let's see i try and stay away from the political spectrum uh but i will put in my two cents on this when I told everybody COVID was a hoax, I was attacked. I kept telling you all, I didn't think COVID as a disease and virus was a hoax. I said it was a hoax the way the media was reacting. They had the red screen on CNN, death count every day, scaring the whole public. And then they closed down Chicago. They closed down DC. They closed down California. They closed down fucking New York. And what did I tell you all? As soon as they got all the power, they'd open it all up. The second Joe was inaugurated and they had all the power, the red screen came down off CNN. No more death counts. Oh, hundreds of, look at all the hundreds of thousands of people Trump's murdering. Oh, but Biden's now the president. He's not murdering anybody. You see, you got to understand what I meant when I said a hoax. Now, D.C., open D.C. now, open everything, open California, outside dining, inside dining, New York, open everything. 
They got all the fucking power. That just shows you how corrupt they are. That's what I was trying to say when I said it's a fucking hoax. Had nothing. Of course, the virus is fucking real. It's fucking really real. But when I said hoax, I kept telling you it's a hoax what they're doing by fucking. They literally destroyed hundreds of thousands of people's lives. Hundreds of thousands of businesses will never recuperate. So all for political power. And if you can't see that, then you are worse than a sheep. You're dumber than a fucking than anybody I could even name. So that's the point I wanted to make. So I'm done. I'm pretty much done with politics, but I just wanted to clear my name by telling you what a hoax it was. It wasn't about the fucking how many people that, yes, the virus is real. The whole thing about destroying everyone's business, closing society, keeping it closed till they got all the power, till after the special elections, till Joe was inaugurated, then open up everything or the country's going to die. But when Trump said open up everything or the or New York, California will never survive, they call him a murderer and a killer. So I just wanted to get that out of my mind. That's the only political statements I'm making today. Okay, so uh, with that in mind, I feel much better. Um, let's see, uh, what else is going on? Man, uh, so many things going on this week, so many things to talk about. I don't even know where to go, um, but we're going to take some phone calls later and see what everybody else has to say. Um, so that's pretty much it. Um, let's see what else is going on. Am I, I got to be missing something here in my life. Oh, I went on a diet like seven days ago. All I'm eating is uh, sushi with no rice, grilled chicken breast, spinach, and protein shakes. Um, and here's the funny thing is, so I went on a diet for seven days or six days. Uh, yeah. So on the sixth day, uh, that was yesterday or the day before, it was the day before. So I've been on the diet now for eight days because on the sixth day, I was kind of depressed. I don't know. I was just woke up. I wasn't feeling right. I, I couldn't move out of bed. I was, my mind was racing a million miles an hour. So I was like, oh, my life, I'm so depressed. And then I fucking said, uh, oh, fuck my diet. And then I decided to order a pizza. So I ordered a pizza, ate the pizza. And then after I ate the pizza, my whole body hurt. Everything hurt. I couldn't even fucking move. And I realized that a lot of my pain is caused by what I eat because pizza causes inflammation. You have cheese, sauce, you know, it's going to cause inflammation. So now I'm even more dedicated to my diet because I realize that, hey, maybe, maybe a lot of this pain that I get is because I eat like shit. So, um... So the next three months, it's three months, man. So I have like, uh, like that's a lot of weeks left, huh? Danny, how many weeks is that? 11 weeks? Three months? 11 weeks. 11 weeks, it's it's sushi, no rice, grilled chicken breast, spinach salad, and a protein shake. Um, I, I, I have a good metabolism. My, I bet you I lose at least 30 pounds in three weeks, three, in three months. So we'll see. I have no weight loss bet. Actually, I have one with a guy named Jason Otto. Uh, we both have to lose a certain amount by our birthday. Um, and uh, it could be worth uh, up to 100000 So uh, we haven't decided on the exact, um, the exact um, 
terms. So that's it. I am uh, now uh, going to try and uh, and uh, bring on our guest. Uh, do we have our guest in the Zoom? Did we send them a Zoom code? We did. He is in. All right. He's not in yet. He's not in yet. Okay. My man, Ari Engel. He's a good man, good guy, good poker player. Okay, enter Zoom code. Come on in. He's in. Ari Engel, are you there, my friend? Ari Engel, are you there, my friend? Hello, Mr. Madison. Hello, Mr. Ari. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great, my man. So how's uh, how's COVID treating you, man? What you been doing? Man, it, it is crazy. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I I didn't I I I was traveling full time since uh, the beginning of 2013. Yeah, I noticed I had- that. I was just looking at your. Hindemob thing, and I'm like, man, this motherfucker travels. This guy, oh yeah, he can do it. Yeah, outside outside of Vegas in the summer. Yeah, I was never in one place for more than you know two three weeks, basically for like seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been yeah, it's been a big change. Obviously, it's changed for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, uh, I went from playing a ton of poker to playing a ton of poker. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. You got me. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so uh, I went from playing a ton of poker to playing a ton of poker. And, you know, it's, it's online instead of live. But uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty damn good to uh, be in the position that I'm still able to do what I like. And uh, I know a lot of people, um, you know, most people were not able to uh, deal with um you know, obviously I'm young yeah. and healthy and that, and then also to be able to play poker all the time. So I feel very fortunate uh, yeah. to to yeah. be in this position. But it's been, uh, it's been a ton of fun uh, to play online poker and battle with uh, the people. Yeah, I've been playing in uh, the legal online sites yeah. in uh, the few states where it's legal. Uh, we've had a couple of battles in the 08 streets. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm playing more mixed games, but also a lot of tournaments. And um, yeah, it's, so it's, it you, hasn't been too. You started out as an online player, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yes, I did. And, so and, it's and you're one of the very few. And I and I put this in high standing that went from the online world to the live world and had success. Now, the reason why I say that is why are do, do you feel so many? That are great online players struggle to make the adaption to the to the live world. Well, um, you know, I def I had my issues also. Uh, there's definitely um, issues when it comes to patience and okay. things like that. Um, you know, some of probably your like stronger points, if I if I would have to guess, are like some of my weaker points or some of the online players' weaker points. Um, I was actually joking around this week with someone. Um, I still have never cashed in the WSFP main event. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm a good no-limit tournament player. But, yeah. you know, that tournament in particular, 
probably is is geared more to you know people that have a, a nice patient style exactly uh, tend to do well in that and i you know and, i and do not have a patient it's style. funny you said that so like i knew how that tournament's played like i tell people all the time it's the only tournament you ever have to play where you just need to play straight up poker be patient uh, wait for your sp- pick your spots, of course, but you don't have to like play a lot of hands. And and you know, I noticed that um, when I hadn't cast in a while, and this was going into 2019, I said, you know what, I I know what I'm doing wrong. I'm like, I'm going, I'm trying to play this tournament like it's a normal no limit tournament, and I I have to remind myself that this is the tournament where you need to relax, stay patient. And uh, I was I finished uh, I think one ninety ninth in twenty nineteen and and if it wasn't for a situation that came up or if, even when it came up if I would have hit a fifteen outer I'd have had a hundred bigs with a with a shot to go really deep so uh, I learned uh, that with the mistakes that I had been doing over the years when I wasn't cashing and uh, as soon as I told myself this is what you need to do Mike stick with it I, I cashed in two thousand nineteen and put myself in great positions so. Uh, when you when you get back in that main event, all right, just just tell yourself this is not a normal tournament. All you have to do is wait for the idiots to give you the money. Keep keep moving hour by hour, day by day, and then you'll watch everybody just implode right in front of your face because because the human body's not meant to go four, five, six, seven, eight days of twelve hour days poker, and you know the brain just kind of melts. So you know, this is something to look yeah. Forward to. That yeah, that's definitely true. I actually um, I wonder like uh, for you. I know you're a little bit more of an emotional player mm-hmm. than uh, than someone like me potentially. And mm-hmm. um, how how do you feel like? Uh, is do you feel like that's been hard for you um, going deep in those kind of things? Where obviously no limit tournament. If you lose your emotions at any time, it can be easily. Yeah. Um, I what it, the 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 thing is is in I'll go back to so like 2015. Um, I was third in chips with um, five out of the money. I got moved to the direct left of the chip leader. And well, with about with about 28 out of the money. Now, I went broke with fucking five out of the money. But I had just gotten off my surgery, and I was in terrible pain. I couldn't move. My foot was killing me. Um, and I told my girlfriend at the time, I said, listen, we're going to either have all the chips or we're going to go broke. And uh, a hand came up where I flopped top pair in a flush draw. And, of course, I was up against the uh, three for offsuit who flopped the three and called like a <laughs> called like a five X bet on the flop and turned a four. Um, and then he check raised me all in or check raised me and I moved all in. Now, if I wasn't in pain, I would have called the 200 K and then folded the river because um, I knew I knew he turned two pair. I didn't know what two pair. But I was in so much pain. I was like, let's gamble for it all. Fuck it. You know? Yeah. And uh, and then, uh, you know, then I didn't ca- – ca- I was close to cashing in 16, 17, and 18. Uh, in 17, I – or I'm sorry, in 18, I thought that I just tr- – I tried to to get a little bit too fast. And then I s- told myself to just be patient, and I wasn't. And then I said – and I knew what I had done wrong. Plus, I had gotten to fight my girlfriend in 18 and – and I was really emotionally messed up about that. And so, That's, you know, going into day three, uh, you know, I already have enough things going against me with health wise and 
where I can't be, you know, I try to explain to her, poker is 90% mental. And if you are not mentally, you know, focused, you know, you're not going to be right. And I wasn't right. And I made mistakes. And last in 2019, I thought I played just fantastic. One of the best main events I ever played. Um, It was just kind of unfortunate the way I went broke, but um you know, that's poker and all. But, yeah, I have a strategy where I just get it in bad a lot and tend to get there. But in the main event, that's that's a little harder to do. Yeah. But um, no, for real, though, um, it's something that people don't take into account is um, if you're having a fight with your, you know, partner or um, or it doesn't even need to be a partner. If you're just like not emotionally like prepared for the battle, for the game, for the Absolutely. long term at that time. It can. It's like you might as well not even enter. You know, you really, you really shouldn't play that tournament that day, um, because it's just it's. You need everything to go right to do well Uh in tournaments to begin with, and if you're just not emotionally there, and so hard to every every tournament I ever won, or every time I've gone on good winning streaks in cash, my relationship has always been in a good place. My mind is my it been in a good place. Um, you have to be in a good place. If any, if any of those are off and you start drifting, like let's say you lose a pot, right? And you stop being focused on the game and you start thinking about other distractions. It, I don't, I know, and you know what I'm saying to be true is it's going to affect you. And, you know, like she used to always say, you've been playing for 20 years. How could you make all these mistakes? Blah, blah, blah. How'd you make? And I'm just like, well, you know, you watch the best football players throw three interceptions in a row. You watch the best baseball players strike out 10 in a row. What do you, what do you mean? How can I? If you're in my, if that's why yeah. I keep always tell, I used to tell her that I need to be focused. I need no outside distractions. I need to be in a good place. And if not, I'm not able to complete at a high level. So, you know, you know, there's a, there's a weird thing, which I've noticed is, which is not like, you know, I think a lot of people would understand if you have these like negative emotions floating through you, how that could be harmful. But I've actually had it the reverse where I'm too overconfident and too on top of the thing. Uh, after I won Aussie Millions, which was in 2016, yeah. I went to uh, Ireland, EPT Ireland, and I just played every tournament there from, uh, you know, 500 euros to the 10K high roller. Yeah. And I did not get one cash that entire trip. I think I, I think between that and a couple of tournaments afterwards, I think I went something like 0-25 or 0-30 after my huge win. Right. And, uh yeah, it's it's this weird thing where you're, uh, you know, sometimes you're just over, like you need to just like for tournaments need to have as much as possible this like even keel flat thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if someone three bets you too much, who cares? Yeah. You know, if uh, if your opens aren't getting through, if if if, if good things are happening to you, um, this is you know a lot of times like people win a bunch of chips and they start getting all talkative and they're so happy. And this happens to me also. I'm not. Have all, have all of us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. you just hit it right on the nose. I mean, overconfidence has, I can't tell you what it used to do to me. You know, now I go in there thinking to myself, you know, you know what you have to do to play good, play good. And your talent will be there. I mean, there was a time where I questioned my talent, no limit. And, uh, uh, 
you know, Phil kept saying, no, Mike, you're just, you're just as good, if not better than all these guys. And this was like three years ago. Um, and then I finished the, when, yeah, when David Baker won the LAPC and I finished like 20, crazy Phil? 25th. Um, but I, uh, I was in a position where I had a shot to win that and I played great. And I'm telling you right now, there was, there was two players I played with the entire tournament who I felt were better than me. And before that, I'm thinking, oh, everybody's a whiz kid in no limit. They're all so good, but they're just not, you know, you, you, you can't. And so that's where then my confidence got higher. Um, COVID came around, uh, in which I started playing a lot of no limit. Um, my, I got, re- I really got into the zone, a three month period in the zone where I didn't know I could play at that level again. And I was just seeing everything. We went into the July WSOP online where I cashed 12 out of 24th, including finished 10th twice. Um, and that was, and I knew, and it's like, I knew I was back. You know, I really believed. Yeah. Did I make a few mistakes that maybe could have been different? Yeah, of course. But, um, you know. Either admit it or you or you don't, because everyone's making mistakes. You know, some people, the people that not to make mistakes are just lying to themselves. Of I course. believe. And and the yeah. thing is, is is is, and you'll agree with me on this: is to be one of the best players in the world, you have to know when you make a mistake. You can't just say, "Well, I got it in here. I was unlucky," or uh, "But I played great." No. Yeah, you played pretty good, but if you didn't make that mistake, that mistake, and that mistake, you'd have another twenty fucking four big twenty three or twenty five big blinds, and then maybe you wouldn't have been in a shove yeah. in a spot where you have to shove late in the match. And this is what I try I tell people all the time. You know, it's real important to understand yeah. what com- what compounds. Like, what happens if you make this call that that cripples your stack, and then all of a sudden. Well, you're down to 15, 20 big blinds, and yeah, you put it in because it's a standard spot, and you lose. Well, what if you didn't make the mistake earlier? You'd have had 40 big blinds. You wouldn't have been in that spot to have to move in. So you have to you have to see the comp- compounding of the mistakes when you make them. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you from the perspective of being one of the best players in the world, but I can say it from being one of the best uh, minor league players in the world, um, which is more what I am, but... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely true that um, that being self honest is such an important thing, and um, and yeah, and that can that can be, and and also you're allowed to like uh, if you're doing something well, you're allowed to recognize that you're doing that well. Yeah, but also it's not only the mistakes that you need to uh, focus on; you can focus on the good things that you're doing. But um, just you know, having that self honesty and. Um, you know, awesome. knowing knowing what kind of games you like, like you know, the famous game selection is such a big thing. Um, it's everything. For, you know, the uh, vast majority of players um, would do much better if they game selected listen, better. And, it took me a lot of years to learn that, Ari. Oh, I mean, I, a lot of years. You know, I believe, I believe you. Yeah, um, that was that was something that I've been good at for most of my career. And um, when you talk about, you know someone like obviously you've been around much longer than i have but um just from like the the online generation that i was from that came around you know after moneymaker um most of those players are no longer around anymore and right. um we all thought 
you know, we were all laughing at you, you, you live guys and saying, hey, we're so much better than you. But most of those people were not better. And they, you know, it seemed like maybe they made a few good things, but then they had a few other, you know, negative things. And um, the people that have survived, you know, really, even if you even if it's not always apparent right away, like Mm. what it is that they're doing well, there there usually is quite a bit of things. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I tell people that all the time, you know, like how many people can you name that play poker for a living with no other source of income? And and, and then you have to ask yourself, who are those players? And when people are saying bad things about them, you can always say, well, they haven't worked in uh, 20, like I ain't worked in 24 years. I don't have any money in the markets. All I do is play poker. I mean... I I was dead broke after the full tilt fiasco. Uh, after my surgery, I had to borrow like I don't even know four five hundred thousand. Now I'm pretty much debt free and I got money. And um, it, what do you think? I'm just it just fell off the the. the <laughs> oh wait, I'm sorry. I don't have money. I, I can't let anybody. I, I need everybody to believe, keep thinking I'm broke. I'm sorry. I like I like I learned that from from JRB at Broke Living JRB. Tell everyone you're broke all the time. You can tell anybody you want anything you want on the internet. They believe it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun. Like even when I uh, bet on the Daniel match, right? And Doug, I'm like, yeah, I just bet half my bankroll, ten thousand on Daniel. <laughs> I'm like, I got another five thousand on Trump. I'm gonna lose. I got bills coming up for sixty five hundred at the end of the month. That puts me in negative two thousand. And the fucking the dumbass card player magazine wrote a big article. Mike Mattiso bets half his bankroll on D-Negs. I'm like, and I didn't even know they wrote this article. But when somebody told me about it and I read it, I mean, it was just great. I mean, you even control you. I mean, you, you would think like before they write you an article. Fake news. Yeah, you'd think they would. They, <laughs> you would think they would before they write an article. They could. They would say, "Do you really got half your bankroll on?" And even Doug, when he started the match with Daniel, he's like, "Yeah, I heard Mike has half his bankroll on me." And Daniel goes, "No, nah, he was kind of trolling. He really doesn't, you know." But I just yeah. think it's funny, yeah. you know. I just, I think it's. I, I kind of like. I'm learning how to troll. I I think the trolling stuff's kind of fun. Like Matt Glantz is just a number one troller. I mean, he's the best troller think, in the world. I think the world can use a little less trolling, to be honest. But it is. I can. I no, can I understand. You know, but in the poker yeah. world, it's just people. You have so many people that are just, okay. So let's just say you go on social media, right? Okay, so I know you're going to agree with me on this. Social media is just like a place where it's just if you want to be depressed, get on social media. Start list, listening what everybody says about you. They just they're just unhappy people. They mean, I don't want to deal with any bullshit on social media. <laughs> Where do you find <laughs> these things at, Daniel? Wow, Danny. You're, yeah. yeah, that's that's you a got good a pro, one. You got a pro there behind oh, the yeah. scenes. That's, yeah, Danny's the man. The, Danny's the man. Yeah. So yeah. um, yeah. So actually, like, yeah. Go ahead. I, I, um, if I look back throughout the years, so when I started, you know, I was as we discussed, I was heavily involved in the online poker scenes and yeah. um. I was very active on poker forums in those days right. and from those days all the way up until, you know, recent times in the more modern social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I have learned a ton and I, I feel like it's been so beneficial to my game. Um, listening to the haters, it's kind of weird, but um, the wow. quote unquote haters, the people that talk shit about my game yeah. um, where I was able to take a lot of, you know, I take some, you know, 
a few ideas that they were saying, which uh, once I reflected on it and didn't take it personally, but actually tried to like listen to where they're coming from. Some of it was actually true about me. And um, I corrected quite a few leaks that I've had in my game now. You know, I'm, I'm far from a perfect player, not even close. And I have tons more and a lot of room to improve and try and, you know, try and get better and all that. But, uh, but I probably like, I don't even want to think where, where I would be um, if I hadn't had all those people talking shit to me. Now it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like taking the few good things from the bad. Cause you're right. You know, there is so much hate and so much negativity out there mm-hmm. and, um, you're probably right that a lot of us would be better off spending less time on social media and not listening to it. And, uh, yeah. um, uh, yeah, society. I mean, might even, not be- what's so funny is even when you put out something, right. That you, that should be uniting with, uh, everybody on a certain tweet, they'll still find something negative to say about it. It's like yeah. these people just like, I'm just wondering, are they like 15, 16 year old people that just have no other life? I don't, I don't even know, you know, but well, it's, it's how you, if you say nice things, um, you don't get publicity. Like people want publicity. Yeah. Like it was the it was the thing with like ESPN. The way to get um, coverage in the main event was to like start jumping around and screaming. And you know, uh, right. I don't need to call out the different people throughout the years. That but we know, yeah. you know, like it's a good point. Yeah, like when me and like uh, like a dog, and you have the guy shouting and screaming every time they win a pot. And all that stuff. And it is, you know, somewhat entertaining a little bit, but it's not like, really. What was uh, that guy from three years ago that like, uh, that drove me nuts? I went to dinner with him once. Uh, the guy that got busted for stealing $25 chip or something. Yeah, yeah, the English, the English, the English player. Guy? Uh, uh, God. Uh, Gassouf, like William Gassouf. Uh, William Kasuf, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to dinner with him uh, when he was in town. He, I mean, he, seemed, he was a nice guy, and it just goes, you know, it's like... I, I, I like, you know, I understand, you know, like I, he take, he took it to like a whole level, like the same bullshit over and over. And it was phony, at least with Phil Helmuth, like if Phil is the exact same in person than he is in a poker game, like people think that that's all an act. No, that's just Phil. That's the way he is. You know? Yeah. I mean, but Phil, you know, at times can be over the top and whatever, but I remember I played maybe two years ago in a prelim event with, with Phil and Mm -hmm. He, he was there for half an hour, and it felt like it was a TV highlight show. I couldn't believe it. In that half an hour, we got everything. We It was it was the most entertainment I had all summer. Was yeah. But the funny thing is, is like was, all the things he was saying and shit, he doesn't just, just uh, I just got a thing that said Daniel's down 134K today. Okay, well, that, Matt, that thing's over anyways. I was just, you know, we, yeah. we, we could talk about that too. Um uh, but we'll get to that in a second. So, yeah. So, Phil, you know, because, uh, like, I used to be a lot like Phil, and I was used to just talk a lot of shit. But then, then once people got good, it wasn't yeah. like – in the old days, you could just talk all the shit, and nobody was getting any better. So, you could make fun of them and say whatever. But then when people got good, you don't want to wise them up. So, I got – the only people I made fun of were people I've known for 20 years, you know, Phil, Daniel – uh, all the old timers or any, you know, people or even the new school people that that, you know, you could talk shit to. But other than that, like, I don't want to talk shit to strangers. And Phil's like, Phil's like, no, Mike, you need to start talking more shit like you used to be. I'm like, no, dude, that, that's not my style anymore. You know, it's just I lose. You, I walk I walk away and say nice game, nice hand, you know. 
you can be entertaining without you know the like you know the the, the one of the more infamous time and i like i i generally am a fan of phil in you know a few incidences but like yeah. the the one time where you know the the guy the guy who is an amateur you know four bet shoves 10 four into phil you know like oh i remember that so, you know and, and and he's and he's legitimately tilted at phil and phil's going off at it like that kind of stuff is you know completely unnecessary and Absolutely. it's not good are you crazy yeah. phil? Uh, and you know, I I don't I don't think he does that kind of stuff too much anymore. Maybe no, I'm not, not, sure. not so much. Every, his his main but, thing but he like, likes to do is like if somebody three bets him like twice in a row, yeah. and of course they'll always have the hand. But Phil doesn't even go. He'll <laughs> be like, "Really, you want to fuck with me? You keep three betting me. I'm gonna trap you. I'm gonna trap you. I'm gonna trap you." But you know what the funny thing is? Is like every time he says that, like I'm a, and he gets under their skin. I'm gonna trap you. He literally does yeah. trap them. I mean, I'll yeah, never forget. Yeah. He trapped the guy. He told the guy, I'm going to trap you. The guy kept raising him. He was living small blind, big blind. And Phil goes, trust me, I'm going to limp. You're going to move all in. I'm going to call and you're going to be dead. And then, and then yeah. so Phil limped with two queens. Guy moved all in with ace jack. Phil called him. And of course, the guy hits a fucking ace or whatever. Phil went berserk, but but it was like yeah. I told you I was gonna trap before the cards were turned up. I told you I was gonna bust you. I told you I was gonna trap you. You're such a fucking idiot. And so I yeah. yeah. And then of course the and ace I'm comes and, hold him. and it's just it's pretty funny, you know. But uh, you know he's uh, he's listen. Phil's quite the character. Uh, we're we're and really close, and he's quite the character. He he definitely is, and in general, I've had actually amazing interactions with him. Not that I'm I'm definitely not like close with him, but the few yeah. interactions with, that I've had with him have been really positive, and he's been very nice to me. And I've um, you know I've liked him on a on a personal level. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot easier for someone like me who doesn't you know I'm not controversial. I don't really go out there and you know talk talk bad about you know mm-hmm. and all that. And and but it's a lot easier for me to just stay and not do anything. That gets people upset, you know, that yeah. if you're going to be, you know, a big personality and and say things that are entertaining, you know, occasionally it will cross the line. And, and I think I think it's reasonable. You know, you got to you got to like uh, have a reasonable way of judging someone where they're allowed to occasionally cross the line if they're going to uh, yeah. say so, so much entertaining stuff. I'm going to ask you uh, one more thing about poker. Then we're going to get to some phone calls and people will call in and ask you some questions. So you were a world-class no-limit player, and now you start playing mixed games. How do you like the adjustment and how do you feel your game is becoming in the mixed game? Do you feel like you could, you're could you competing on a high level? Do you feel you still have a lot to learn? What's your favorite mixed game, and what do you like to play most now? Um, so yeah, I mean, I world class. Thank you. Appreciate the compliment. Uh, I don't know if I can <laughs> take that without, uh, slightly, uh, acknowledging that it's probably not true, but yeah, oh, I was come on, man. You've done so good in no limit <laughs> tournaments. You're always there. Don't say that you're, you're fucking, you're top. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I can't, can't let's put it this way. Uh, you're a thousand percent top hundred in the fucking world. And that's, that's a, that's a, you know, there's like Thanks. a zillion players now. You know, yeah, no, you're probably higher than that. You know, I mean, I, uh, I appreciate that. I don't write myself that high, but I appreciate right. it nonetheless. Um, well. So I, I, always, I like um, from the beginning, um, the guy that told me how to play poker, his name's Andrew Brown. He Brown Dog. He plays a ton ah, of different games. Andrew, and, he's uh, got a you guys do have a style a little bit alike now that you brought that up. <laughs> we got the hair going. Um, yeah. So uh, 
he's, he's a so good friend like, of mine, I, by the way. I, I remember in like 2006, I would play horse tournaments on full tilt. Um, and so I've always somewhat messed around. And 08 was always the game that I played um, most of, especially PL 08. Mm-hmm. And um, over time, I've just increased and increased um, the amount of time I've played PL 08. Like this how, past, or not this past summer. How rich do you think 20- me and you would be if they had PL 08? tournaments like they do no limit hold'em tournaments every day for a thousand at the world series i yeah yeah i think that would be a lot of fun for sure um and um there are more and more of them so i'm i'm definitely excited uh for that and in the last um, and this is not a joke in the last eight years they would have two a year so i think i've cashed 14 of the 16 tournaments um including well, two years ago, I should have won it. I, I made a fucking mistake. I had a, I had a, uh, what the fuck was that that I got on my leg? I got, I got a, oh, I got, I, what was that infection I got called? Anyways, uh, uh, my whole leg was, I had this big infection, staph infection from the world, from the WSOP. I picked up a staph infection. My whole leg was swollen the size of a beach ball. It was two in the morning. I told my girl, I'm like, man, I got to win this thing because I can't, I'm in terrible pain. And then there was a spot that came up where four-handed, and he raised, and I uh, I flopped the uh, flopped the second up flush and a wrap straight. The flop came uh, king ten. I had a nine jack queen king with a king high flush draw, and I checked. I was going to check raise him on the flop big. I had pairing a wrap and a flush draw, and he looked at his cards and checked back. And when he looked at his cards and checked back, I said to myself, this guy's got the nut flush draw because he knew how, how good I was. So he knew if he bet that I would get away from it. You know what I'm saying? But I saw it, but I was in so yeah. much pain. Uh, I, I kind of doubted myself. So now the turn card, the 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 straight and the flush, everything gets there. I have second nuts. I check. He bets. He bets like pot. And I'm like, well, when, didn't, when he, I'm like, did, when he looked back. Did he, maybe does he have the dry ace here? Would he have bet the flop? I'm like, nah, this guy, he knows how good I am. He was the best player beside me at the table, by the way. And I'm like, he has it. And I'm like... Who was now, it? Do you remember? Whoever, whoever won that tournament to, uh, in, 20, okay. in 2018 at the PLO8, the last one. Yeah. So um, uh, so I I called, and then the river came up blank, and he bet 300K, and... I'm like, man, what if you're wrong, Mike? What if you didn't see what you saw? You're in so much pain. I'm like, maybe you're, you're, you, you didn't, maybe you're, and I overthought it instead of following what I saw. And he showed me the nut flush that crippled me. I end up getting fourth. I mean, I really don't even have to play that hand. I'm going to finish second probably. And, and that, and listen, I was in so much pain. So I was willing to make a four way deal. And he, he kept, he said no. And I don't blame him because he had me, he had Eli Lezera. Bruno Fatusi, and who really were had no shot, and then me, who you know was in obvious pain, and you know you don't yeah. want to tell people when you're in pain, and you try and, but it was pretty obvious, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, Joe, you know, Joey yeah, he's a really uh, good player. He's a really yeah, he good PLOA player, and um, yeah. and so um, uh, so I don't blame him for not wanting to make a deal, and as it ends up, I end up letting the pain fuck me and he goes and wins the tournament he made the right thing not making a deal but uh you know that goes back to what we were talking about being focused not being distracted 
I, yeah. But even then, I saw what I saw, and I the only thing is, is I, I I I went against what I saw because I was in pain, and I'm like, well, maybe you're wrong. I'm in so much pain, and if you're wrong, you know, you could call here. So yes, yeah, so about about the mixed games, I'm I am absolutely loving it. I'm playing way more mixed games than I ever have before. Um, and I was always somewhat into it. Um, the last couple of years before COVID, I had gone to LAPC and that I feel like for tournament players looking to get into mixed games, oh, um, you know, average runs an amazing schedule there where it it's is. filled with like 600 to 1k buy-ins or even 300 to 1k, all the different games you can practice playing the tournament dynamics where it's not huge money, but it's still, People treating it seriously. Yeah, so I'm looking and, right now. You won the thousand dollar horse. You won second in the eleven hundred. Then you had third in the horse five thirty. Second in the ten game mix. Look at you. Seven card start <laughs> eight. You won it. Did you win best all around here? I got like uh, I I I didn't actually finish number one, but I had a really good finish. Um, ah, damn! There, look at uh, this. Look at these fucking back. Look at this. From February 4th to February 18th, you went first, third, second, first. That's four <laughs> in 14 days in the top three. That, that's pretty good. It was, yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, so those tournaments are, like, uh, great and, um, yeah, you know, man. really good stepping ground. And I was looking forward to, you know, playing the 2020 World Series and playing some of the 1,500 um, different games. Like, I've been playing the O-Weights for a few years. I threw in a couple of PLOs, um, but obviously that couldn't happen. But I am definitely looking forward to playing tons of the basically like every 1500 um, mixed game I feel comfortable enough to play. And uh, we'll see about the 10Ks. Um, do you play on your really own or do you have people to stake you sometimes? I, I mainly play on my own. Yeah. Um, I will. Uh, I've played like a few uh, high rollers over the last few years, like the 25Ks and higher. And for those, I sell action. And I guess at like different stages in my, in my career, I've sold for at different stakes. Um, yeah. actually I've had three people, two of them were makeup deals and one was just like someone who bought pieces regularly mm -hmm. and all three people have dropped me throughout my mm -hmm. career. So for those ideas that are being backed or have gotten backed and gotten dropped, um, that happens. Hey, I, you know, I, I put so 1.2 million in a guy's pocket. He told me you, I have a million dollars behind you. I will never quit staking you. Um, then he wanted to stake another person. I'm not naming that name. I begged him not to. He said, okay, I won't. I got to make sure I have money for you. I found out then, then in March of a certain year, he dropped me uh, right before the World Series and left me hanging. I had nothing. I couldn't even believe he would do that. I found out six, months, la six months later, he, he, him and his partner lost $2.4 stake in the person I told him not to do. And, uh, I, you know, that kind of blow, blow to me. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The, fir the first guy that dropped me said, I, I was, he, he said, you're the only one that's made money for us, but we have tons of other horses that are in makeup. And so uh, we are ru running low on fun funds. So I mean, we're going to stop backing you. I mean, instead of just taking them, your loss with the people but, in makeup and stick with somebody that's winning. Yeah. I mean, these I, people I, are fucking. I kind idiots. of understand. And then I had one guy who, uh, who was not into, po who was not really into poker. And I'm like, look, you don't really understand the variance. Just so you know, there can yeah. definitely be different things. And um, I was 30K in makeup, which 
for those in the poker world, they know that's not a very large yeah. number. And uh, he said, "And he said, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, 30k is my limit." Yeah. And um, and so um, yeah, uh, but uh, but but nowadays, you know, uh, I'm lucky enough where like I kind of had this like slow grind kind of thing where I didn't take big risks and I've just like slowly moved up the stakes and um, and I'm just fairly comfortable in the stakes that I play. And also, I yeah. I kind of know where I'm supposed to be in the totem pole, so. Uh, I don't think I belong at higher stakes. So it's not even a bankroll issue. Like you skill know wise, you, you know, have, I don't think I'm going to disagree with that. Cause I play a lot with you. I just think that the adjustments you need to make to play at the higher stakes is what we talked about at the beginning of the show. You, your patience. Okay. When you play at the smaller level, smaller stakes, I know you like to play a lot faster than most people. And uh, when you play against the John Hennigans oh, yeah. of the world, the Ray D's of the world, uh, the people that play, the Mike Gordos of the world, I mean, these are great players, yeah. you know, and you just have to yeah. know that they know what you're doing. So you got to kind of take a step back, get a little bit more you I'm know, patience, you know. I'm so looking forward to battling that those kind of players. Um, yeah. If I do feel comfortable enough to play the 10K level yeah. uh, mixed games, or or maybe in some wishful world uh, the 50K one day, yeah. um, I I'm really excited to to battle against those really good mixed game players. And also, um, you know, maybe in cash games because uh, I've like during quarantine, I've kind of I feel like I've elevated my mixed game That's quite great. a bit. And so, uh, you know, we'll when, see, I, we'll when I was playing mixed game every day uh, yeah. three years ago, 2017, right? And then I got staked in all the tournaments and I made three 10K final tables. Um, I When you play every day, you get in a, a groove. I don't know how to explain it, but I know you know what I'm talking about. And uh, once, oh, you, yeah, and yeah. the more, the, the thing is, is, yeah, I've done well. Okay. So last year I did, or 2019, I did really well without playing at all. You know, basically, I, I didn't play the whole year, jumped, you know, took a whole year off and did well. Um, but I did well because my patience was great. Um, was I as sharp as 2017? Not even close. OK, but, you know, I, I gave myself a shot. And uh, like even the stud eight uh, right before the main event where I got fourth. I mean, I, I played a, a pot where I was 97.5 to win it. Uh, 3.3 million chip pot with 9 million chips in play. Um, I win that. I'm going to at least end up head up and who knows, maybe win my second uh, uh, stud eight championship. So who knows, you know, but, um, you know, my game's still solid, but I do agree with you. The more you play, the the better you're going to be. And, um, you know, uh, during COVID, there's been some good uh, private no limit games that I've had invites to. So I've been playing mostly no limit. Uh, and uh, Look at you. How about that? I, no I kinda, limit. Yeah. So I, listen, I'm telling yeah. you right now, like my no limit game is really, really Mike, sharp. We, we have we have on WSOP.com on Saturday nights and mm-hmm. Tuesday nights. It's $200 PLOA tournaments. I, I see it. Occasionally yeah, I jumped so in what, at once. Where are you? I, I, you gotta, you gotta enough. text me and remind me because I want to play them. I know, you know, and and I, great. I, yeah, I, it, it was so much fun playing you. Uh, and and by the way, for I I know like the most of the good players know that you're a phenomenal OA player. Yeah, but maybe some of the young generation they're not as familiar. 
we played a little, just a little, not much heads up, but That's just fun. even that in a little bit of time. And like, I got an impression from you playing like ring game, no limit that you're kind of a tight player and that mm-hmm. I'd be able to run you over. And I got to <laughs> say, I'm not, uh-huh. I'm not like being nice to you. You were, you were yeah. a very tough, very good player. And, yeah. uh, Obviously, you know that, but um, but yeah, uh, that was that was fun to play, and um, I hope to that it's it would be way more fun playing the end of a tournament. Yeah, um, for sure, you. man. And and I yeah, PLO eight is PLO eight's fun. Oh eight limit. Oh eight's fun. I mean, I just like the challenge. Yeah. You know, I know yeah. I know you're you're really you've gotten really good at oh eight. So, and I've heard people say it to me. So. When I saw you there, I'm like, Phil Ivey, Phil Ivey, who do I know? I know that's, I go, I know that's somebody I know, right? And I know he's really good. So I, I Google, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Ari. Yes. All right. I'm going to play Ari. I'm like, I need the challenge. I feel like playing for an hour. This will be fun. You know, so, you know, I listen, we talk about game selection, but sometimes you just want the challenge, you know, and and it's fun. I love the challenge, you know. If you're playing within your bankroll, yeah. Uh, just for like everyone out there and you're playing within your bankroll, you're allowed to take a shot at either slightly higher stakes that test mm-hmm. your uh, test your mental whatever or against slightly better players. Like the way you get better is playing better players. Yeah. But it's just like uh, the way I look at it is I look at my entire schedule over a year. And I've always done this um, when I was grinding circuit events. I always made sure to go to at least one EPT event a year. Uh, EPTs are way tougher than circuits. But I wanted to kind of test myself against the better players and make sure I wasn't falling too far behind and just kind of have the challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, so like uh, I like to mix in a few percent of uh, of harder tournaments. Like over over the last mm-hmm. five years, I probably averaged playing like two high roller events a year or something like that. And, you know, you get in a couple of that. I get in plenty of $300 binds also on the other end. And then like, you know, plenty of 1Ks and 1500s, uh, which are kind of like, the middle of my comfort zone kind of situation. I, I tell people this all the time, and so I'll say this to you. Anybody that grinds the tournament circuit for a living has my vote. I mean, you got to be a real sick fuck to do that because it's it's so <laughs> hard, you know, and grinding and grinding and like, you know, it's, it's just like, and I, I respect that. All The people who play tournament poker for a living, I have utmost respect for. You know, I... I mean, you know, I, I play. Like I, I don't play I, many I, tournaments, you know, but I like them when I play them. But I just can't. I feel like you know they're tough. Off. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I cheated the system a little bit because um, during like the the o four to like o eight time where I just played online all the time, some really soft games and built a bankroll with no expenses and um, stuff like that. It allowed me to kind of enter into the live tournament world mm-hmm. where. I didn't have to win to pay my bills mm-hmm. and um, I could stomach like I've gone on a six figure downswing playing circuit events, mm-hmm. you know, over a six month period playing like low buy-in supposedly super soft events, you know, and um, that can happen. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you have a little bit of a cushion and you have the experience where even, even, even with all that experience, it did get me down um, mentally, but at least I was able to say, hey, like, you know, I, I beat online for all those years. I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't, I, you know, like, how am I losing to these players? But 
I understood variants to to to, yeah. to a greater extent than I otherwise would. And, um, and but you know, yeah, you say that. Is, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. We're talking about no, understanding no, no, no. variance. I, I mean, I understood it in 2004. Yeah. And even when I had millions, I always had somebody staking me in tournaments because I know when you're playing these big tournaments, I mean, you can go on a million dollar downswing. I mean, you just can, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, I, I just said, you know what? I got plenty of money. I don't need to risk. I'd rather give up 50%. And just and then plus for some reason with me when I'm playing for somebody I try harder like I, I know it sounds crazy but if it's my money and right. I'm having a bad day I could just say I don't feel like playing and and, and I'll just dust it off but I could, when I'm playing for somebody else like I'm given like a hundred and fifty percent every time and so that that's another reason yeah. why I, that I've done that you know just over the years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've, I've, I've had a similar thing where it's like playing for myself. I can just like kind of say effort and just go for it. And um, I mean, for better or worse, sometimes you know. But sometimes it's a little bit harder to like uh, be like completely spewed out. And for like a player like me, I'm just like overly aggressive. And if I if I calm down a little bit, it's probably like for for the better. So if I'm yeah. doing crazy stuff in my own mind. Yeah, you know, even when I play yeah. with you, I've even said to myself, I like the way Ari plays. He needs to. Just, I think he'd be really good if he just slowed down a little bit, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. I think I really do. I think like, I, I mean, I don't. I, I like you a lot. We've always been uh, gotten along. I think you're a really class action class guy. So you. you know, if I when I say that, I say, you know, and this is. I don't want to you know give advice, but if I had to give you advice, my advice would be is. Keep playing the way you're playing, but but take times where you just all of a sudden go into a shell and just play really yep. tight for a while and then really small. Love because Love I, I just feel that 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 uh, you, let, let's just put it this way. You know, when I I know you probably don't remember, but pre 2006, I was considered the most aggressive poker player in the world. I literally played 90 percent of the hands. If they raised, I re-raised. I was just a, a literal monster. Right, and then everybody. Th- th- then in 2006, uh, card r- runners uh, taught bet sizing. I'm just like these motherfuckers. I'm like they could have taught anything they wanted to do about <laughs> no limit hold'em, except teach bet sizing because the way people put through in their bets, you knew what where they had ace king, aces, uh, and when they were weak, if right. they were so oh. all of a sudden when they start bet sizing perfectly, my ability to know what they had kind of became a lot harder. And I'm just like, so I always yeah. say like the thing that ruined poker was card runner teaching bet sizing. If everybody just would have never just brought up the word bet sizing and would have taught all the other bullshit about poker, you know, I would have just kept dominating. So then when I realized that, so 2007, 2008, I'm like, they know what I'm doing now. So I went into a shell, became super nitty, like beyond nitty. And I made four WSOP fine or four WPT final tables, <laughs> right? Because they all thought yeah, that I yeah. that I'm crazy Mike and I'm always bluffing. Yeah. And so I just showed them the nuts and it was amazing. But then 2009 came around, the word came out that Mike's playing real nitty. And all of a sudden, as soon as I entered a pot, nobody would give me action. And, uh, and again, that also, the 2009 playing nitty 
in 2008 playing it, not wasn't just adjusting, but it was also after I got robbed on Ultimate Bet for millions, yeah, uh, where they, they saw my card. They took away my ability to pull the trigger, so I was scared to make the bluff. Yep. And it wasn't until, I, I mean, honestly, where I really got back to to really being the old Mike and. I'm, I shouldn't even say this. No, everybody, I'm still tight, Mike. Never mind. Uh, it was probably uh, like three, four years. It's a, three years ago, you know. Yeah. And um, and then when I really got good yeah. was during COVID because you know all of a sudden you know I didn't play No Limit Hold'em much. I played twice a year for the last five, six years, and now I'm playing it every day. And I'm like, well, you know, I, am I? I don't. I don't remember the times where I was fucking ripping it on them on the river, and they were calling me with third pair. Right. And so now in my mind, I'm like, okay, I know this guy's weak rip and they're folding rip. So I found myself where I bluffed 34 out of 35 hands and I was dominating this game. I was crushing it. And I told Phil, so what does Phil go? He, he tells fucking ass fuck scumbag Scott Ball. Oh, Mike's robbing you. That's why he's winning all the money. And the next thing you know, he's fucking check floating me with nothing to check raising me on the fucking turn. I, I mean, I don't even know why Phil did that. I mean, because that's because Phil you know, just hated I to, hated I was winning. I used, to, I used to just post on a on the forums and my blog. I w- I would just post my strategy, just yeah. exactly what I thought. Hey, like uh, uh, this is what I'm thinking in these spots. It was like it was crazy the way uh, you know the way we used to do things. Um, yeah. So well, anyways, yeah. all right, we're gonna take some phone calls. So hang on a second. Uh, let's go, buddy. Yeah, let's do it. The mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. Okay, everyone, 702 It's Friday night. You're live, me and Ari Engel. Give us a call. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. We don't give a fuck. Everything's on the table <laughs> yeah. at the mouthpiece. Where is my phone calls? Where is my phone calls? Where is my phone calls? How's Daniel? This doing? is like me. Like, uh, is he losing still a lot today? He's toast. He needed a. He needed a. Oh, here we go. Welcome to the mouthpiece. It's Mike and Ari. How's it going? Yo yo. Good. Uh, turn your good, turn your uh, turn your turn your volume down. Got a question for Ari. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, Ari, what, what, what kind of advice would you give? You know, a, you know, an, an up and coming or aspiring tournament, live tournament circuit player. I know you guys already touched touched on on just how difficult it is. You know, taking a hundred percent of yourself with all the expenses and the variance and all that. You know, just if you, if you had to give some advice to to an aspiring player that would want to do something like what you did in your career, or try to do the try to replicate that success. What would be the you know couple couple top points for for that person? 
So um, a couple a couple of points that I would uh, that I would focus on. One would be to try and uh, have some sort of other income. So if you have another, if you have a job currently, I would say don't quit your job. You can still play. Most most uh, you know lower mid tier buy ins happen on the weekend. You can still play it and keep your job. And the reason why I say that is it's so much easier to play well when you don't need the money to pay your rent. And uh, you really want to focus on your strategy and on playing a good, smart, aggressive, fearless strategy. And it's going to be much harder to do that if you need the need the cash to uh, to pay for your ride home, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, keeping costs down while you're on the road are, is going to be big. Um, and, uh, and studying the game. Um, you know, everyone's getting so much better. Um, but yet there's still so, so much room um, to do well. And um, especially if you play in the, you know, um, tournaments that occur within a hundred or two hundred mile radius from your house, um, it's not going to be filled with pros um, almost no matter what the buy-in level is. And if you can, uh, if you can in between those tournament stops, if you go once a month to a, to a, a you know, a $500 tournament or something like that, um, in between that, you watch. There's so much free content on YouTube um, and and stuff like that, and Twitch and and all this stuff. And then if you want to pay, there's even more stuff available. Um, so uh, you know, working on your strategies, um, keeping 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 your day job, and um, and then also playing some online stuff. Um, you can uh, you don't even need to play big online. You can play so small online, get a ton of experience that way. You want to you want to be the person that when you make it to a nice final table live, that you've had, you know, ten final tables in the last year to look back on, and it doesn't even make a difference if those final tables were in a two dollar buy-in or a twenty dollar buy-in or whatever. The fact is that you're at a final table. Everyone's trying to win, and uh, you get those dynamics that occur only at final tables. And uh, I can't tell you the amount of times where I've been at a final table and the person that I'm playing heads up against, this is their first time in their life ever playing heads up. You know, obviously I'm going to have a really nice edge against that kind of player. Now, if they had, if they had, if they had five times gotten heads up in a $5 tournament, they would be a way better player, even if it was a $5 tournament. Yeah, I agree. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I really appreciate, you know, that, that, that advice and, and, and thorough explanation Ari. I, I looked up to you, yep. to you for a lot of years just, just as a as a solid tournament grinder there's not many of people like you so i, I really appreciate it thank no, you no there much. isn't he is the man thanks for the call i appreciate it thank, thank you for the kind yeah. words too um uh, i hope uh i hope we can battle someday in a in a heads up tournament somewhere on the road there yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely all right my man thank you thanks for the call so yeah right. uh, yeah he, he says the same thing i kind of says man i mean I got I got lots of respect for for online grinders. I mean, in tournaments, you, you know, I don't know if you've been in the World Series where I scream out loud, top of my lungs, all you motherfuckers who do this for a living, I God bless you. Like I'll I'll just in the middle of the World Series, I'll just jump up and say something like that because I just think it's like so <laughs> insane, you know? Because like just playing live for a living is so grinding, you know? These tournaments where you make one mistake, you're out. It's like you got, like you said, you got to be mentally tough, man. You just do. Yeah. Oh, we got another, another call. It there, works both ways. We missed one. We missed one. Let's call him back. 
Slow night tonight. Normally Friday night is a lot more people on. I wonder why. Oh, well. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Ari. How's it going? Hey, what's up, Mikey? It's me, Drew from the Woodlands. You know, he, Drew. He talked, yeah, talked. I remember you from last week. What's going on, my man, Drew? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm watching the the challenge. Unfortunately, Daniel is going to kind of. I mean, it's not the most he's lost in a big, you know, cash tournament. He lost two point two million on high stakes poker. I think you ended up a, a winner on that. Yeah, that I was the second the biggest record. winner on high stakes poker. <laughs> It's because uh, I got most of it from Daniel. <laughs> no, uh, listen, the thing is, is, is Daniel knew going into today, he is going to have to really increase the size of the pots and play variants. He told me what he had to do today. And so do, am I shocked he's down 150, 200? No. Uh, I mean, I told my, he, he, like Daniel doesn't care. He, I mean, I don't want to say it, but Daniel's got a lot of money. And if he loses another million, million, million and a half, he don't give a fuck. But he's going to give him. He's going to try and give himself a shot to win. And uh, you know that's why he got uh, so upset when with eight thousand hands left of Doug deciding he's going to limp because it's just you know he wants to talk about the spirit of the game. Well, that takes away the spirit of the game, you know? So when Daniel decided, this this is what I'll get about Doug Polk's little cabal of friends, right? They all like, they all, they're, they're so like, yes, man. Like you guys are friends like you, Helmuth, all the, all the guys, the OG guys we saw coming up. You guys needle each other. You don't get on, you don't get like gang on upon people. You got your own freaking opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I like that you challenge this little Joey Ingram, this little douchebag. (laughs) Of douchebags, I don't like. Him. I actually like Joey's okay with me. I poppy this. I pop. I don't get the whole gimmick. He's like he's on Adderall all the fucking time. And we I think we even it. when we did some podcasts that we were like when we were doing the postal shit. We had like we had Joey Ingram's fanboys calling up and starting shit with us. It was funny. I actually yeah, have, he's not a bad guy all, though. They, yeah, yeah. I, you, you get to know him. He's not him a bad to guy. like Omaha, and he ain't gonna do it. Right? Yeah. The challenge I put out, do I think he'll accept my challenge? No, he won't accept my challenge because he wants to go out and, and challenge a 87-year-old like man. He's like, you know, there's no way he's going to play me fucking eight-game fucking live. No fucking chance. And if he does, he can fucking watch all the Sims he wants. I, no, I'm and, talking and, about and, Joey, Joey Ingram. Oh, no, no. That was, that was calling out. Doug. No, Joey because, Ingram, you challenged you. Oh, no. No, what I did, so he put up, he goes, this LO is fun. And he goes, I hope I get hands like this. And he puts up ace, ace, jack, jack, nine, nine, and none of the aces are suited. And I said, if you play that hand, you're not going, that's not a good hand in six card PLO. It's just not. You know what I mean? If you don't have an ace suited with, what do you, what do you have? You have six cards to flop a set, you know? You want rap cards. You want Ace suited with rap cards. You know, so I just put out, he says, oh, this looks like a fun game. I, I wouldn't know. That sounds good to me. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I, he put it out and he says, if you want, he goes, anybody wants to play this? I go, Ace, Ace, Jack, Jack, 9, 9 uh, with no suit. Uh, okay, I'll play. You know, you know, I, I, yeah. um, and, I like, but Ari, Ari, I got, you know, I got a question for Ari here. How much of the GTO, GTO, and, and, and randomizing do you do? Like, have you st- put into the game on yourself? 
a good question. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. I would say, you know, it's hard. It's hard to like answer that. Um, particularly, like I, I have very high standards for myself. So I would say, compared to the standards that I would set for myself, uh, very little. Um, you know, I would like to study them more and have a better understanding of them. Um, I've done some work in that regard, but definitely not enough. And I don't consider myself uh, uh, like that. That's one of, one of the many reasons why when, you know, Mike, who is being very nice and using wor- wor- words like world class, um, I just I, I don't consider myself in that in that bracket at all because um I don't I don't have a great understanding well, of those I mean, concepts. Br- bring Kenny, I consider one of the top three players in the world. Oh, yeah. He's never done any GTO, studied any That's of that true. shit in his life, you know? That's why I like Bring Kenny, by the way. But, I think he's the best. You know, what what do you but, say to someone like that? But almost been a big fan of him for a yeah, yeah. So you know, th- there are there are a few players that um, that can reach that um, really top level without um, a ton of study. But I I would guess like Bryn is just like some super. He's so good. Genius. Um, His instincts are unbelievable. Like that. And uh, I, you know, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not. A, I'm so, smart. I so, have a good so poker head. That, uh, good poker mind. No limit. Hold is like. No limit. Go ahead. What, Drew, what'd you say? We're kind of losing you. Yeah. Do you think the no limit tournament hold'em is kind of unsolvable because of too many variables that the uh, the bot just can't freaking factor in? And right now it's just basically all these sims are just like, you know, heads up. There's some that do like three way pots, but kind of answer this too. Un- solvable or solver or or GT that's going to tell you nine handed in the tournament. You know that. You know, you just, at least I don't think there is. Is there, Ari? <laughs> to me, I look at things on a spectrum. So I don't look at things as black or white, as solvable or unsolvable. Um, well, it's probably true if you did look at it as either solvable or unsolvable. It's probably true that, you know, the multi-way nature of a lot of these things, it makes it that it falls into the non-solvable aspect. But but I believe that a lot of the ideas would be solvable within a tournament concept um, approaching no limit holding. So if, if one did spend a bunch of time studying solvers and studying a whole bunch of the common situations that occur, you'd become a tournament beast. And um, it's especially true in tournaments where so much of the money that's made in tournaments is in the short stack at the end of the tournament situations, which the shorter stack you are, the easier it is for machines to uh, figure out what to do. Right. So, you know, hypothetically, like a 10-blind game, a machine is going to be really good at a 10-blind game. Yeah. Um, where, you know, actually, I, I don't even know if that's true. But it, um, oh. hey, anyways, um, compared to like... True, we're kind of losing you. A few hundred blinds also, but... Um, but yeah, but uh, the, the short answer is, I think that... Um, um, I think it's... Yeah, I, I, Drew, we're, we, yeah, we got we got a bad connection with you, Drew. I apologize. Um, I don't know why. It keeps saying YouTube is not receiving enough video to maintain Stroom's meeting. Oh, it tells me to open a widget. What the fuck's a yeah. widget? Don't open the widget. Don't open the widget. I, I won't open the widget. <laughs> All right, man. We got any other? We got a call. Any other calls we missed so far? Yeah. All right, let's call him back. That's what we do here on the mouthpiece. We call him back. 
Hell yeah. We got rid of the widget. That must be nice. Hello. What up? Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Ari. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. How's it going with you? Oh, we're going. We're doing good. We're doing good, man. Man, what are you up to? Enjoying the show, and I've yes, always been watching you on uh, all the uh, poker shows over the years, man. You've been uh, always a, uh, you know. It's fucking Ari's fault, man. He's fucking it all. Man, my, this is a good. This. I know, Mike. Do you have any good stories? Do, do you have any good stories from getting disconnected? In I know you're. Okay, yes. Okay, so I'll give you a I was going to my friend's wedding in 2007. I was playing 200, 400 PLO with um, the English guy, uh, that stiff Ivy and and the golf bet. What's his name? Ram Viswani. And um, we, in in, uh, full tilt, it always had disconnect protection. And I'm in the middle of the hand. I kept getting disconnected. The next thing I know, I'm missing 323000 out of my account because full tilt had just changed the day before that there's no more per- disconnect protection. And, of course, I didn't know it. Lost 323000 You think Ron Viswani ever gave me anything oh, back? Yeah. Didn't give me a quarterback. Then when he got sk- – then when he – then when he he, 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 he he hustles Ivy for like – Three hundred fifty thousand, and Ivy goes and learns how to play golf, and hustles them back for one point two million. He didn't want to pay, and it took him like three years to. I guess they made some settlement, but I mean, you, you, if you're a hustler, yeah. you you deserve to get hustled. That's what. Listen, that's just how it works. The hustle. So sometimes the hustler gets hustled. You know, I mean, uh, that was pretty funny. Man, I mean, as a, as a professional gambler. It is like so amazing to watch Ivy own out the casinos. I know they they screwed him back, but yeah. that story just like so inspiring, really. Yeah, you, it, you love to see like they like take advantage of these casinos who you know they take advantage of all these like all these people. Hang on, I'll tell you, you know, we'll and, call uh, the yeah. person back. Hello, yeah, keep talking. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just, I was inspired. I, you know, I constantly am inspired by Ivy uh, when playing with him and also off the table. Yeah. He, um, I mean, there's a, there's a, a saying that I like to say uh, that when that whole thing went down, you know, there were people had their opposite ends of the view on it. Now, me personally, I think he should have picked up 200, 300, 200, 300, 200, 300 and kept doing it forever. Um, and I, I think that, it's, there's an old saying, greed will get you. Um, did he, What he did, was it wrong? No, but uh, just remember, when you go in, when you go in to play, play a certain game, you know what the odds are. They know what the odds are. When you're flipping the odds without them knowing, eh, it's kind of fucking eh, gray area. Hello again. Hello again. What, uh, we lost you now. You said you, were, you had a question about the Daniel Negreanu. What was it you were going to say? Well, I've been following Daniel for, you know, more than a few years now, probably 10 plus. I don't even remember when we started, my wife and I started following poker. Mm -hmm. She actually got me into poker. And we're Canadian, so we've always kind of been interested in Daniel because he is, was, is, whatever you want to say, (laughs) Canadian. Um, You know, he used to be kind of a down-to-earth type of guy. Yeah. And along the way, I don't know what happened. But, uh, you mean like uh, with his uh, anger uh, issues lately? To what year? Is that what you're talking about? Like when he gets angry all the time anger now? And he kind of comes. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, well, that's pretty funny. I, I have to be honest. I, I enjoy the new Daniel yeah. in a way that it, I like to kind of get a laugh out of him, just to watch. Well, him, but I, I'll be honest. He used to be a nice guy, seemingly kind of. He's he's there. You go, and um, and Daniel. Okay, he he's never turned anybody down for an autograph. Ah, he's. He's opinionated, but that doesn't mean he's still got, he's really got a good heart. Like even when me and him were going at it in 2016, 2015, pretty much over politics, um, you know, he was setting away and, and you know, I was going against his way and he was one of my, I was one of his closest friends. So, you know, he took it to a little bit of a high level, but you know, we're best friends now. I mean, I I talked to Daniel on the phone at least three times a week, Um, but you have to understand when he was part of poker, um, uh, poker stars, like he had to have the squeaky clean image. He had to represent the company beautifully. Um, GG poker. They want him to just be himself. They want him to be stick your teeth up somebody's ass when they fucking beat you in a pot. They like that. That's why they hired Dan Blitzerian. He's the same outgoing. Don't give a fuck. They want that. They think that and I and I think they're right. They think that when they have people that make them laugh, that aren't afraid to be PC because the whole PC culture is just completely ridiculous. You know, like you know, we live in a country of free speech. Now all of a sudden, they don't like what you say. They they take you off the internet. They deplatform you. And one thing, even though me and Daniel have different political views, um, he you know he's all on board with this anti PC shit. He thinks it's destructive for the country. He thinks it's destructive for the, and so so now you're just seeing the anti PC. I don't give a fuck, Daniel. Which that's how Daniel always has been. I mean, if you know him, he'll tell you how he fucking feels. He don't give a fuck. So that's what you're seeing now. Well, we're in Canada, so we don't we don't have free speech. So you know. Oh, we don't either here. They they got they got rid of free speech here. Uh, Once 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 they once they kicked the the president of the United States off Twitter, you pretty much knew um, free speech was kind of fucked. But uh, whatever, it is what it is. But yeah, um, I get what you're saying about Daniel. I get what you're saying with Daniel. But I I would ask, I I would wonder, the real Daniel doesn't seem authentic. If 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 his real authentic way is to be kind of you know not so not so PC or not so. Uh, co- corporate or company kind of uh, oriented. Well, I mean, when you when you get natural yet, I don't. When you get paid three million a year for a company and you got to be PC, you're gonna fucking be PC. When you get paid three million sure. for a company uh, and they tell you don't be PC, tell everyone you want to shove your fucking teeth up their ass and they like it. Well, then he's gonna be fucking himself and just do whatever. Okay, and and you, Daniel's an emotional person. I mean. Yeah, you know, it's like you could say, "Well, Daniel has this squeaky clean image, whatever." You don't know Daniel. Like everybody in the poker world knows, we all know back when he attacked Danny Duke relentlessly before poker stars on on social media, called her every the c word, every name under the sun. And then when he finally got stopped attacking her, um, he uh, he got signed by poker stars, and everything went upwards in his life. But no, Daniel's Daniel's will take tell it like it is type of person. He just, you know, when he worked for poker stars, he had, they, they wanted a certain way. And like he said the other day, he's like, we're talking. And he's like, he goes, fuck them. I don't give a shit. I'll say what I want. I don't work for poker stars no more. I work for GG and they want me to be this way. So there you go. That's what you got. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
It makes me laugh anyway. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, whatever. I, I don't, I'm not PC or I don't give a shit about that stuff. You know, Fuck, uh, um, I hate PC so, people. He, he, oh, me too. Um, but the, the one thing I have to say before I go is with Daniel, uh, he had some, so his clips were so funny of him getting angry of some oh, of his live streams. They're, they're unbelievable. Out and you, they I really are. They're uh, they're classic. Like after his match, every match, like you don't even have to. Why watch the match? Just watch the post match. The post match. <laughs> no. If you just if he lost, first of all, you look at the very end and you see if he lost. If he lost, turn on the post match because if you look for me, you're always going to get entertainment. You know. So you're right. Sir. But I know he's stuck a lot, and he knows that right now he's he's going to willing to lose a quick million to try and give himself a chance to win. Or at least he'll go, he might lose like four, 500 the next two, three sessions. And then once he realizes he can't win, he'll try to get back as much as he can. But uh, I, it's really the right strategy. I mean, uh, that's why he was so upset with 8,000 hands to go that Doug decided to try and change strategies. And and, and unfortunately, you know, we, I mean, me and Ari are going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, but that, I, I kind of thought that... Uh, that I kind of agreed with Daniel. Now I want to see what Ari has to say afterwards. So I appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot, and uh, have a great Thanks weekend. Thanks a lot, Mike. You too. You're welcome. You too. What's your opinion on uh, Daniel deciding to to slow play, pay him, play real slow, and uh, put Doug on tilt? What's your opinion? I, I thought it was funny, but what do you think? So to start off, when talking about Daniel, um, I, I like him, and uh, my personal interactions with him have been really good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I can't say I was the biggest fan of um, the outbursts uh, this year uh, no, online. I wasn't um, but, either. <laughs> it, 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 um, uh, but, uh, you know, I just I don't really see the issue with uh, wanting to live. Like, I don't I don't to me. Well, you know, I, here's the thing. I, there I, is. Listen, uh, we got another call. We'll get back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Ari. Hey, Mike and Ari. Uh, my opinion on Daniel's slow playing was pretty funny because he just shoved it back in Doug's face. That's how I felt. Cried like a little. Bitch. He did cry like a bitch. Even after he won 135k, he was still ranting and crying like a bitch. So you know what? I I I felt it was fine. Um, I he told me he was going to do what he was going to do before he did it, and I was laughing. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to watch. He said. Well, don't watch too long. You're going to be bored to death after about 20 minutes. And so, but, 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 but all I told him is like, I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not watching a watch. I'm watching a watch Doug live tweet, right? And see what he was going to say. And Doug's live tweets were like, he was on full blown tilt. And he had a, yeah, and he, if he stayed doing that, who knows what he might have beat him for. But da see, that's what I'm trying to say. Daniel knows. Doesn't want to do that. But he was basically, here's the thing is Doug went public and said, I got to do what I got to do. Well, Daniel just decided, well, I got to do what I got to do. Now, yeah, there is that context for sure, because like Doug, obviously, in the last few years has gone completely off at Daniel in a oh, way. Which ridiculous. Dis yeah. You know, di disproportionate. You know, Daniel mm -hmm. may have done one or two things which were somewhat questionable in the yeah. supernova lead thing. But the, the 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 way Doug went off on him was completely disproportionate. There's way bad. There's yeah. actual in the poker industry. Well, I didn't I didn't want Daniel to play Doug. I go, why would you give this guy a microphone, build his brand up, but and, and then put, drive people to his, his site? Why would you do that? And he's like, well, it's COVID. Uh, I have nothing else to do. 
You know, and, I want the challenge. Yeah, he deserves credit for that. A and then B. Imagine if you're if you know if let's say let's say I'm you know I think I'm pretty good at PLO eight. If I get a player who's way worse than me at PLO eight that wants to play me a bunch of hands, right? They get to pick whatever they want. You know, they want me to use my left hand only with and move my mouse with my left hand. I'll move my mouse only with my left hand. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they get to they like so so Daniel is coming into Doug's thing and and. Doug is just making tons of EV in this. I mean, right. the opening on were like four to five to one in, right. in Doug's fight. Uh, no one. This idiot over here. Down. This idiot over here has thirteen thousand at a total of eight to one, and uh, I'm dead. So, <laughs> oh, you got eight to one though. Well, I bet four and a half to one for ten k, and then I got with MoneyMaker ten to one for two thousand. And then I got another ten to one for another thousand. So I think it comes out. I've got thirteen to win, uh, like ninety one, whatever that comes yeah. to. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is that for the whole thing or just? Yeah, I'm, I'm drawn. I'm drawn completely dead. Uh, I got yeah. seven to one for another thousand when there was ten k hands left, and he was down four eighty. And then he proceeded to lose 520 in the next three sessions. And that was the end of me. And I'm like, great, Daniel, I put the whammy on you. I put another time. I mean, everybody, you know, people were like, no, the odds are like five to one. I'm like, how can they be five to one? They were five to one when they were even starting the match. But I figured it out. I thought seven to one was the right price. And then, uh, then came the five. And then uh, whatever, it's over. I'm done with it, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Daniel's done questionable things. Uh, but, um you know, you gotta. You know, Garrett Garrett Adelson made a good point. You know, he really trolled Doug Hart. He's like, yeah, you, you know, you want to talk all this shit. He goes, he goes, you 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 made up shit about a guy. You fucking said all these horrible things about him for a year and a half, and then you coax him into fucking playing you head up so you can fucking beat him out of a million dollars, and you think you're a good guy. Like Garrett Adelson, he he made a lot of good points. You know, and uh, but listen. Daniel took on the challenge, and um, he's a big boy, and uh, you know it is what it is. You know? Yeah, hey, I mean, I think I, and, and a lot of it seems to be in the past to some extent, um, yes. where you know, at, in recent times, there's been a little more animosity, yeah. but um, they did seem to be a little more friendly, and I think I think that's good. You know, like I, I think, think it's good. Uh, People I'm, are like. I agree with you. I think it's good for poker. You know, you don't want fucking war. People just like like when there, there should never, even when me and Daniel were going at it. I'm like, dude, this is bad for poker, Daniel. Dude, we're good friends. I'm like, yeah. we need this is bad. And, you know, and you know, like Doug, Doug may like troll a little more than I would love, but um, he's super entertaining and like his oh, he's his funny. YouTube, great, you know, Listen, and, and I, Dan, yeah, go ahead. Daniel is like great with the fans and like. Even even to like me like I was never really in like you know Daniel's like prime audience like being like a full time professional and all that but anytime like I've had questions or different things like and a few times like we've interacted like he's been very nice and gone out and same same thing with like a lot it's actually like somewhat shocking like so many of like the pros the old like old school TV pros that maybe seem. Uh, somewhat abrasive on tv or something like that uh, mm. in person i've been pleasantly shocked with uh with the interactions that i've had with him and so uh yeah i i i i don't really i i'm, yeah. I'm a fan of both of them kind of 
Yeah. Well, you know, I never, I, I've said this before. The, I, the only problem I have with Doug, and I was always very friendly with Doug, I had no problem with him, was was like uh, October of 2019, uh, me and Phil were playing live at the bike. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a 50-100 game. Was, I was, this is back when I was still trying. I was really struggling a lot. So Phil had half me in the game. And he accused me and Phil of cheating in a game because I threw my hand in and Phil had his hand halfway in the muck. And I said very, I didn't say it out loud. I'm like, man, I threw two spades away, right? Or something like that. And I guess he, he thought that I was trying to signal the Phil that I was, that, so Phil would call. And it was just like, everybody who knows me know that's impossible, you know? And it really, he wanted to, and he, this is what he does. He, for clicks, he tries to, he makes stories up or he tries to sensationalize shit for clicks. And I thought he, he crowd pop, he crossed the line and he owed me an apology for making a bullshit video that was a lie. And I never got that apology. And that's when I started disliking Doug. But even if Doug would, Say to me tomorrow, you know, I apologize to you for making that video about you and Phil. I know you'd never cheat. I'd be his best friend. I'd go out to dinner with him tomorrow. I just thought it was out of line. So, anyways, that's my problem with Doug. Anyways, we yeah. appreciate the call. A question, Mike, about oh, intuition. Yeah. Go ahead. What's that? Let's talk. Intuition. You're an intuitive player. Right. And me too. And I have a hard time when my, my feeling says call or go in this pot and more times than not, it, it would have worked out, but I can't. Uh, there's a, there's, my... We have this old saying in poker, okay? Whatever your instincts tell you to do, follow them. If you follow your instincts, you'll always be doing well. Go get me the charger for my my thing. My, my PC thing's getting low. I didn't bring the charger. It, yeah, hold on one second. so hard. I didn't yeah. know we, it would go on. The, okay. uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so just follow your. Uh, I mean, even uh, I'm sure I'm sure Ari will tell you the same thing, right? Follow your instincts, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. it's, thank it's, you. It's rough. It's rough because um, a lot of times we have our instincts, or what feels like our instincts is really like our emotions talking. Yeah. And it's hard. It's you know, it's hard to separate the two a lot. Um, so uh, that's that's one of those things where the more you feel the more studied you are, the more experience you have, the more confident you are with your abilities, the easier it is to kind of trust your instincts and, and, you know, have them be based on experience rather than like the emotional impact of the last, you know, few minutes or, or few days or whatever it is. But, um, I do think it's a, you know, it is a, you know, I don't have any great answer for it, but I'll acknowledge that it's a problem. Um, you know, Trying to deal like with what, uh, like what you say. with trusting ourselves. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I like it. That makes sense between the emotion because sometimes you'll play and get emotional because of the last hand, and you fight your feelings. So, Ari, what I take you're saying is, I I'll be able to separate my intuition from emotion. Yes. And uh, I agree. practice. Love it. Thank you guys very much. All right, man. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye. We got another call or no? No? Okay, that's good. Mm. So, um, you, you know, like let's, you know, you said there's nothing wrong with limping. Of course there's nothing wrong with limping. No matter of fact, me and me and Phil, we were very, I mean, we, we both bet on Daniel. And we couldn't believe that because Daniel started 
you know, he, he, he learned all the GTO, he learned combos, he learned all that shit. But he, I still thought that Daniel would use his poker ability. Instead, he went straight GTO. And when you go straight GTO against a guy who's already know, knows straight GTO from the back of his mind because he's been playing a zillion hours ahead up, where's your, where, where are you going to pick up something on him that's going to throw him off? You know what I'm saying? Like, even in the match, he limped one time with Queens. He won that big pot, and, and all Doug did was bitch about him limping with Queens. You remember that? I don't know if you remember that. I, I don't remember that. No, I yeah. haven't. Uh... Hold on, we got another call here. This will be our last call, and then we'll talk. Welcome to Mouthpieces, Mike. Mikey. What up? Sorry, you got to go, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. That was interesting. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we, we, always, we always have a... In case anyone thought this wasn't live and we're not just getting calls, you know. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, we used to we used to take calls. We used to record it. We um and Dan Daniel Danny over here would edit it, and then all people liked the live better. I mean, it, it, the the quality of it was much better when we edited it. But you know, the live is is good. You get people in, in the moment to call in. And, yep, yep, you know, it's fun. So, that, so, but like I was saying, so now like me and. Di- Phil were like, why is Daniel not limping the button more? Why is Daniel letting him completely take control, raise, re-raise, and the guy's never folding? When you have a guy you're playing head up that, and you'll know this because you're an aggressive player, that, that that's that's always, that's never folding, right? Now, it's one thing to be an aggressive. See, if you're aggressive, and then, and this is why I think Scott Seaver's so good, and all of a sudden the guy calls you or plays back at you, Seaver will just check check back and be done with the hand where um, someone like Doug, they when they don't like to fold, uh, they go to the river or whatever. And I just, you know, I'm not going to, uh, once the match is over, I'm going to analyze my opinion. Uh, I've said it before. I I think Daniel should have been limping the button a lot more. I think he shouldn't have let kept three betting way too much dog shit. I think he should have let him in spurts think he's running over that him and then fight fire with fire where he flips it. And now all of a sudden Doug thinks he has it a lot more. Instead, he fought fire with fire from the get go. And I just thought it was the wrong strategy to fight fire with fire against a guy who's been doing this for years. Is that a fair statement? Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's uh I think it's a little bit of armchair quarterbacking. It's right. it was going to be a super uphill battle, and and it was almost an impossible situation for Daniel mm-hmm. to actually win in this playing. Right, all these like a huge, you know, huge sample of hands. I mean, against the guys, a head specialist. Um, but is it this was a- going to? It was going to. Go you know, and I think actually, like, uh, if Daniel was like uh, put up a really good fight. Like we, the fact that yeah. he lost. And, and we're going to talk about really that. Stinky. Yeah, we're talking about a second. Hold on. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Ari. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. I got a quick question. Uh, do you think that these matches that are these challenges between players that are like 25,000 hands or some absurd number really is the amount needed to prove like who's the better player? What is the number that you think the minimum would be that's like all right, let's play this many hands. Then well, that proves who's better. You have to understand that when you're playing twenty five thousand and two tabling, I mean it's really a a, a three day a week, two month challenge. So you're basically playing twenty four sessions, maybe 
20, my 30 sessions, um, I don't think that's too long. Um, if they were one tabling, I would say 10,000 hands would be fine. Um, what, what's your, what's your comment on that, Ari? What do you think? Oh, so two things. Um, one is, I think, which is related to the thing. I think Daniel made a strategic error playing two tables. Yes. I think he should have only played one table against Agreed. Doug. Agreed. I think two tables was to Doug's advantage and against Daniel's. Um, and then number two, um, kind of the same way I said, where I look at things on a spectrum rather than black or white. Um, when it comes to proving, quote unquote, who the better, it doesn't 100% prove who it is. And it definitely, and I think it's, virtually impossible to prove who the better player is Agreed. because by the time you get to a big enough sample the first hands are no longer going to be relevant you know meaning daniel is a completely different player in hand twenty thousand than he is in hand one right and doug also is a better player um you know this does do a pretty solid job of saying you know if we had a guess we would guess that doug is the better player mm. but does it prove no and uh yeah that would be my response and and here's something I want to ask you. So like we know like so even let's say going into yesterday the other day we lost one thirty five. He was down like uh, five sixty. Now he's down seven hundred. Okay, and he's down three hundred and thirty in all in EVs. Now if the if and I this is what I try and say to everybody. If that three hundred and thirty down in all in EVs was favored to Daniel and Doug was down three thirty in all in EVs, where did that that even match? And that, that's what, mm-hmm. and I and I like to bring that up because for the people who want to say, oh, Doug's killing him. Oh, I know he's going to kill him. And I say, well, let's just switch that 328K all in EV in Doug's figure and flip it to Daniel's figure. And we have a, an even match. Am, am I right when I say that, uh, Ari? Yeah, yeah. I, it's, and, and that I think both would acknowledge that um, Doug's skill edge is not so big that there is no match here. You know, right. there was definitely a match. It was it was competitive, and anyone watching that can kind of tell that the match has been competitive. Yeah. Um, I, I think though, when when push does come to shove, if yeah. they were to play forever, um, I think you would see like it, it's only natural to expect that Doug would have this is Doug's specialty, and Doug rose to the literal top of the food chain at Heads Up No Limit for matter? years and years and years now. He hasn't been there for a couple of years, but to hold that position at the top of the food chain, it heads up no limit in the modern era, you know, um, just is like that just takes an unbelievable amount of skill. So I I think it's like, you know, Daniel deserves a ton of props for going for actually like rising to the challenge. And especially because he is such a huge name and he kind of. You know, I mean, those of us in the know expected Doug to win, but I'm sure a lot of poker fans just looked at Daniel as he's the best. And, you know, for him to lose this, it might, you know, lower himself in some of the, you know, uh, poker fans eyes. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool that he did take the challenge and um, sure, he's super rich and, you know, he's able to stomach losing it. But um, but it's tough. You know, you're super competitive. No one likes to lose. And um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think he said that. He thinks he's going to be a much better player at No Limit uh, tournaments going forward. And I, I could so. see that. I, I could really see him uh, being a much better player for this experience. Yeah. And and the thing is, is like, and I'm I'm not going to lie. I've been learning um, a little bit of this GTO solver thing. Um, it's hard for me to get into, but I know it, it's important to learn. 
I'm not going to change my game, but it's going to make me understand what other people are doing. And once you understand what other people are doing, I think that's the most important thing. So, and I mean, uh, it it may not revolutionize your game or completely change your game, but I would hope that you may take an idea or two um, to help improve along the along the edges this concept or this or this thing or or that thing and uh, and it's one of those things where the more information you have it cannot hurt mm-hmm. you know you can then choose to implement what you want to implement but you now have more information in your and you're that much more knowledgeable about the game yeah and uh, I think I think that's always a good thing you know and and, and I talked to Phil and he's like Oh, I think I'm going to play Doug one table, 10,000 hands. He's giving me 10 to one. I'm like, Phil, don't do it. You know, because I mean, he, he could, he could literally give him probably uh, 20 to one. Give, I mean, I don't want to knock Phil or whatever, I, but when, he, and I know Phil's a great player and a great head up player, but it's one thing if Phil played him live uh, in the tournament format, like he did Antonio and like he did, Doug, when he played him in the poker uh, night in America, that's one thing, you know. Um, and one of Big Phil's weaknesses is his ego, and I don't want to see him be embarrassed. And I don't. I think if he plays him in an online format, it will. His ego will really be brought. Or maybe he needs his ego brought down. I don't. Yeah, I just don't want to see it, it. You know. It's one of those things where it's hard to like uh, picture what the long term consequences are but sometimes um taking that beating can can actually be helpful to you long term but sure in yeah. the short run it's uh it's no fun but, um but i don't know but, if it'll uh, be big i, I mean I, it, uh, it might wake up phil into maybe he should start studying more which would be good yeah. um but yeah. i i, I kind of like phil where he's at let him ha- let him continually believe <laughs> he's the best no limit hold them in the player in the world. Is the answer is no limit hold them. <laughs> his answer is, well, nobody beats me, so who's better? That's a good point. You know, <laughs> I've but, lost once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um but again, uh I, when you're talking and and I and I believe this, okay? If you want to talk 50 big blind or even let's go 35 big blinds or less a no limit holding tournament, I'll take Phil. You could take all these you take everyone else. This guy's instincts are off the charts, and he's unconventional. He goes against, he kind of goes against the grain of what the solvers or what the people say to do when you're a certain amount of handed. And uh, he makes these like, like when he got second in the WPT at the bike. I mean, he had that tournament won. He got it all in. He had the guy covered, ace king. The guy had king queen, and uh, the guy makes a straight. Phil holds up there. He's he wins his WPT title, and you know he had six big blinds left. He limped with king ten of hearts. With all the kids are like, you can never do that. Six big blinds, small blind, big blind, and the guy moved in and Phil studied him and studied him, and he looked him right in the eye. And you could go look. You could go look this up. The final table where he got second. He goes, I think you got ace ten. He goes, I fold, and he shows king ten face up, and the guy shows him ace ten, right? And yeah. now he and now he comes all the way back. Against all the people that had all the chips that were playing really fast, and Phil had the chip lead and was just one card away from winning that tournament. And so when people see, well, Phil does this unconventional, this unconventional, they don't see the things he does well, and that's um, okay. I, big I completely agree with that. And and if you're going to try and get me to say Phil is not an right. amazing tournament player, I'm right. never going to say that. he's me neither. phenomenal. 
It's amazing. But, amazing. Yeah. But, but I got a big but on that, which yep. is the top, top players, you know, whoever it is that you want to say, the Jason Coons, the Jason Haxtons, Coons, the yes. Dominic Nietzsche, I, whoever yeah, it is. Darren Elias, Darren Elias. Like these, these players are so sharp in their strategies that yeah. a guy that just plays by feel and intuition, mm-hmm. it, I just, I, I can't buy that, that he's going to be better than them. Um, now, you know, when you're talking about it, playing against some sort of weaker players, maybe Phil has like these amazing live tells. I'm sure he does have amazing live yeah. tells. Even me, a shitty minor league player, I have some live tells that I yeah. used in my advantage. So I can only imagine that someone as great as Phil Holmuth has a bunch of them. Yeah. But uh, but I don't know. I mean, uh, I think I think no. there's just going to be like 35 blinds or whatever it is that you want. You know, some of these guys are just and, so sharp. And, uh, you know, you made a good point on that. So when even when David Baker won the LAPC, I finished 24th, I think. And I played for like five days. And the two people I thought were better than me was Darren Elias and uh, – and the guy who finished seventh in that tournament, he's Ryan, uh, Ryan Campbell's. Campbell's his last name. Is it Ryan Campbell? Does that sound right? Campbell. Hmm. Do you, you know that who I'm talking about? His last name's Campbell. No. He's really good. He and then he went on and win a WPT like three weeks later. I think it's Ryan Campbell, but it, it's definitely Campbell. Ray, his last. Rayner Kempe. No, Campbell's is his Ray. last name. Campbell. Yeah. Really good. Uh, he finished seventh in the 2018 LAPC. So, uh, okay. Well, I'm a, we'll have to look about that up, to have it up. Yes, but um, oh, James Carroll. James, James Carroll. James Carroll. That's who it is. Why did I say oh. Campbell? And he was so yeah. good, right? And I'm looking. So I play with all these superstars, and those two stuck out to me. I'm like, well, they're definitely better than I am, right? But all the other people I play with, I was able to use my instincts and my 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 maneuverability to to put myself in a in a position to have a chance to win there. So um, yeah, what, could I do a lot more if I learned the GTO? And yeah, of course I can. You know, but that's the difference between me and Phil is I want to get better, uh, especially now yeah. that I've been playing a lot of no limit. So now I'm really like I'm really I, I never played any no limit since 2011. So you're talking yeah. about like nine years, and now all of a sudden. I'm like, yeah, this is fun. You know, I want to get better yeah. again. I, I feel like I yeah. can be the best again, you know? And it's like, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot more fulfilling to, yeah. uh, to hold your own or even beat these amazing players, you know, like it's, it really is, especially when you don't play to it. Like, you know, you know, yeah. When, when they play at every tournament every, and travel the whole country, not to mention what they're playing online and you play like two tournament, no limit tournaments a year and here you are in the same position they are with a shot to win it. It's very, very exciting. You know, it's like, you know, these motherfuckers just aren't better. You know, I just, yes, can I get better? Sure. You know, but they don't read better than I do. I'll fucking, I can read better than, I mean, I mean, I, I just, I just, it's kind of like Daniel. That's where I thought he would have an edge once he learned all the GTO because his instincts are really good. Now, I'll watch the match, or even if I don't watch the match, and he's, I'm watching the little 15 minute post game clip he puts out, and and before I and then we'll look at Daniel's cards, and it goes bet call, and then like Doug ships the river, and I say to myself, fold Daniel, you're beat. Like nine out of ten, when I say fold, and he calls, he's beat. Now the other times where Daniel puts the raise in, 
I'm telling and, and and I'm thinking to myself. Now I am looking at Daniel's cards, right? But I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this look and and, when he's, and he's bluffing or whatever. I'm like, I think Doug's going to sniff this out, and he does. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm trying yeah. to say is my instincts just by watching on the outside. You know, when Daniel used to make fun of me, like, oh, I can just look at somebody and know when I'm beat. Well, I mean, I'm be honest with you. I Listen, God didn't fucking give me... I'm not the sharpest guy in the world. I might not be the best-looking guy in this world, but God gave me these instincts that are off the charts when it comes to poker. And I don't know how to explain it to you, and uh, I just have them, and so does Phil. Yeah. So, you know. But, hey, man. And, and, um, and those sharp with experience. Yeah. Hey, we're two hours in. It's a great, great, great podcast. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um uh, you're a great thank guy. You. And I want to, yeah. I want to say thank you for sticking up for me during the summer when people were said something about me, uh, when I did that thing against that girl, cause I didn't know even what doxing was. And I was just pissed cause I hadn't played online and I thought that person was slow rolling me and I apologize to her and we're all good and everything, but I appreciate you sticking up for me cause you, you know what yeah. kind of person I am. So I appreciate that very much. So. No worries. Yeah. And, and, and also I think, uh, I think it's nice of you or, um, you know, it was very appropriate of you to apologize and you handled it. Um, you know, like everyone makes mistakes or yeah. whatever or gets heated in the moment. And and a lot of people like uh, double down on yeah. something like that. And um, I was and actually yeah, so. I was rocked, man. I was like, I didn't want to I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I was just yeah. pissed at the time yeah. at myself for not knowing it was a rebuy. Number one. And yeah. number two, you know, I was just. I didn't know it had nothing to do with being a girl. I would have just done that against anybody. You know, I was just pissed. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I, so. yeah, um, yeah. So um, yeah, no, that's that. It's it's awesome. Um, you know, being being invited onto this show. I've uh, I've been watching you since I got into poker, which was in two thousand and three, I think. So uh, it's kind of, it's kind of this amazing full circle to now uh, be on a show that you're hosting, well, and uh, it was really awesome glad. watching you. <laughs> Listen, no we'll do some we'll do some fun battles uh, if we're bored. If you yeah. hey, play some uh, some 08. 08 I'll come play some yeah, 08 with you. There's some thirty sixty yeah. or PLO eight, whatever. Last you know. Night. Listen, people Last asked me the other day. They asked me the other day. They're like, "Would you play this person head up 08? I said, "I'll play anybody in the world head up limit 08 or PLO eight. And even though I haven't played in a while, um, I'll probably struggle the first. Yeah, maybe hour or two, and then once I get back in form, you know, I'm I I I'll gamble, man. I know what I'm doing. I'm a, you know, the thing you're, you I, you probably already know this, and I people ask me what the key is to playing. I really shouldn't even say it, but shorthanded oh eight or plo eight is is you gotta know how to play the turn. Period. That's what it's all about. It ain't about anything else. Whoever plays the turn correctly. Okay will always win and head up 08, period, 308, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Fair statement? You probably already know that. If you hey, didn't know I, it, you know I, it now. I haven't thought about it. Yeah, now I do. <laughs> yes. It's all about playing the turn I'll, because – Yeah, because it's about being a little bit tricky. And, you know, like everybody, like they flop nut flush draw, nut fucking low draw. They're like raise, re-raise, re-raise on the flop, right? Well, what happens when you check call the flop and now you check raise the yeah. turn when the hard hits? And they're like, yeah. they don't believe you. They call you. Now they see you're doing that, right? 
So what do you they do? Can't. Now what do you do? You start fucking doing it when you fucking have a low draw and a, pop, a fucking pair when that heart, heart comes on the turn. So, um, okay, that's it. I shouldn't talk yeah. too much more. You're too good a player. But that's, uh, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the key to shorthanded 08 is playing the turn. And um, yeah. if, you, if you're not good at playing the turn, you've got no shot in the highest of levels. Out there that haven't gotten into 08 yet. Yep. It is such a fun game. Come come join us. There's $200 tournaments on WSOP. Yeah. On all the sites, there are always WSOP tournaments. We need some fresh blood in there. Some yeah. of our competition is dying out. Yeah. So I uh, get to it. It's a great game. T- text me uh, when that tournament is, and I'll play it with yep. you, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. So. Because uh, I'm always busy, I always forget. So awesome, I will do. So- All right, my man. Thanks for coming on the show, Ari Engel. Everybody, um, I wish you the best. Keep grinding. Love you, buddy. Take care. All the best. Thanks so much. See you later. All right, we got a lot in for that two hours. What's that? Yes. Um, just remember, everyone. Um, uh, we have a hundred dollar tournament at uh, my private home game. $100 rake-free tournament. Uh, mouth poker at, G- at yahoo.com. Mouth poker at yahoo.com. And um, you can play a $100 tournament Sunday night, 7 p.m. Sunday night, 7 p.m. Every Sunday at 7 p.m., we are going to run a $100 rake-free tournament. Takes about three hours. It's a lot of fun mouthpokeryahoo.com we're out of here guys another show in the book episode 61 mouthpiece podcast stay tuned next week for our super bowl preview you'll know who i'm taking that means you can all fucking go opposite of me but then again if i tell you go opposite of me you know i'll end up being right so uh have a great week everybody and thanks for tuning into the mouthpiece The mouthpiece.